There are things we know we know, things we know we don't know, and there are subconscious beliefs we hold that jack it all up. Consciousness is a happening. It's the universe looking at itself through you. Just like there's more than one part of who you are, there's more than one part of your consciousness. We are conscious in spite of our brain, not because of it. You never remember the beginning of your dreams. The magician doesn't really sell lady in half. He only makes you think he does. Welcome to the Epic Podcast, your weekly dose of mental foreplay. My name's Matt. I'm Jen. I'm Austin. I'm Joni. I'm Christina. And I'm David. And this week we are talking about the foggy reality that is consciousness and uh, the many different forms that it takes. Um, I think it could be useful for this conversation to not take like the the 10,000 foot view, but like the 10,000 light year view to start. Oh boy. Was anyone going to define it? What we're talking about in this well, podcast? Well, look to Google to define it. Or no. YouTube. What, would you, what did you find there? I mean, there's, there's no, nobody, there's no defined, there's no agreed upon definition. Right. Like we all instinctively know what consciousness is. Because we have it, but when you try to define it, it becomes like a comedy of errors. It is it is ridiculous all the different definitions. And if you're talking to a scientist, or you're talking to a pastor, if you're talking to a, you know, it's just it, someone who's a botanist. We talk about the consciousness of plants versus the consciousness of animals versus. It's just a really uh, it's the wild west as far as defining it. Well, I wrote down three things that I feel like are the most common. Perhaps um, wakefulness, sense of selfhood, and capacity for self-reflection. I don't know. To me, those are the most common, but I don't know what you guys think. <clears throat> I have another three that I found, three types okay. of consciousness. Um, if you're conscious, you understand your position in space. You understand your position in relation to other people. That includes emotions, social etiquette, hierarchy, and then also the ability to predict the future are all characteristics of consciousness. See, and then I would ask, are, is, is the planet conscious? Are trees conscious? Are yes, gold that, conscious? that gets into uh, panpsychism. Panpsychism. Ooh, <laughs> panpsychism. Okay, so panpsychism is that, let's see, I, I don't know, I don't think David Chalmers came up with it, but he discusses it, basically that you can't explain consciousness in terms of the existing fundamentals, space, time, mass, charge, then as a matter of logic, you need to expand the list. And so he would say that consciousness is a fundamental slash inherent feature of matter, a building block like space, time, mass, etc. <clears throat> that steps into what I, I, if we were to skip to the end, Mm, this is like to me consciousness is god and consciousness is Mm -hmm. is the very substance of spirit and all matter only has its framework 
made possible by consciousness. So you get to the double slit experiment and the observer, mm-hmm. right? So the observer has consciousness and that consciousness is God mm-hmm. and that consciousness is spirit. And so that if you think about that, there's, there are two invisible energies that humans interact with constantly. And one is emotion and the other is thought, right? Yet both of them are a fundamental of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it. So if you think about it, if you consciousness about it, um, (laughs) so that, that emotion and thought both are unseen energies that create so much of our experience of being, Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that we are, hmm, I wouldn't, I guess the perfect tuning fork for the realm of matter, mm-hmm. the realm of spirit. And the world knows there's a realm of spirit because my, my desk, which is wood, doesn't talk. It doesn't create, it doesn't t- make tools. It doesn't move. Um, but it was a tree, and that tree you can measure through you know the secret life of plants. You can see that there's a measure of consciousness in that tree, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly to the level of quality that you know the six of us have, mm-hmm. some others. But. So, my question there though is like you said that you said that emotion was one of the requisites, if you will, for consciousness. Like, can trees have emotions? Yes. Probably. Yeah. Yes, I can. Go like ahead. How low? <laughs> well, because I, when just looking at my plants, when I um, forget to water them on a sunny day and they're drooping, like that is a physical representation of not having adequate water and being stressed. And so just by them drooping over, that shows me that they're feeling stress. So that's emotion, right? If um, a plant is starting to die and it has that, that branch that's dead, that's a, a visual effect of death, decay coming to that plant. And it's feeling that because it's, it's something's wrong with this branch and I'm going to cut off nutrients and life to it and it's going to start to die. So that, to me, that's evidence that they can feel. See, I'm going to whip out ninth grade biology here on me. Well, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Matt. <laughs> But wouldn't the drooping just be the lack of trigger pressure or water? That was going to be my counter, but <laughs> it wasn't meant to be like, aha, gotcha. It no, was no, no, no. Like, I'm not saying like, aha. Right, I'm yeah, it was like, like, a, like is, it, is, is this a chicken or the egg situation? I think it's you know? a perspective. So my perspective, I'm a feeler. I'm going to feel these emotions. So when I see a plant drooping, I automatically associate it with, that plant is feeling stressed. Whereas maybe David or Matthew have more of a scientific analytical perspective on life. And so you're going to put like that data point on it as opposed to, I think one of the, that's very, that's, that's valid is, is that you say, um, you know, if you see a dead branch, the plant has decided to cut off nutrients. Like it's, it's not going to invest any more energy in this branch anymore. It's pulling it back in to, you know, use it elsewhere. So, I mean, I, that's, that, that was an interesting point that you brought up. Well, thank you. They have done studies um, on that. The Austin mentioned The Secret Life of Plants, which is an entire book on how plants react to the world around them. One of the things that they did was actually hooked up a plant to, now I'm going to, 
get it wrong, the machine that, uh, a light detector machine. Mm-hmm. And the plant actually registered um, electrical changes when someone just thought they were going to come pick a leaf off. Mm-hmm. They just thought and the plant actually reacted. So I don't know if you would call that emotion, but it well, is an electrical. The original discovery for that guy was he couldn't, he was working on stuff and he had it hooked up to the plant and a spider walked across his desk and he smashed the spider. And the plant reacted. And the, and the uh, holograph machine went insane. Yeah, they did that with brine shrimp too. They set up a computer to dump boiling water on brine shrimp, tested plants in the room, and and it was random. And as soon as the boiling water killed the shrimp, the plant reacted. So I I would call that emotion. Okay, okay. So time out, time out. So (laughs) could, I'm sorry. Stop the tapes. That's just crazy. Like, is that, is that not, um, like a reaction in the cell in the plant cells a reaction to something in the intent kind of a la what bruce lipton says and it could be just a mere reaction instead of a display of emotions so let me let me ask you like a chemical reaction i mean yes that's what i'm saying semantics but at the same time (laughs) Is is it is it a thought is it consciousness? Is it emotion? When you, we've done it, I mean, I don't know if you guys have done it. When we had our Bible study, we had people, uh, we, we would learn how to touch the radiance of trees. And then we would have a group of people stand on one side and think a positive or negative emotion. And without telling the group that was touching the tree, you could feel the energy field of that tree move away or towards the group. And it was always, I think our group got it a hundred percent right that it was uh, the few times we did it, that it was either a positive or negative emotion based on the reaction of the tree. So is that a, is that instinct? Is that intelligence? Is that emotion? Is that thought? Whatever it is, it's some form of consciousness. Right. And and I agree with that. I'm not saying that they don't have consciousness. I'm just curious about saying that emotions would be a part of consciousness or a, a prerequisite. I'm I'm just curious if if it would be if emotions are just a higher way of processing information. And I'm not sure I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that where I land on the mm-hmm. whole thing of plants having emotion. I mean, I, I mean, I've I mean, heard, let's say, for example, there are uh, these forests, right? And this one kind of bug starts attacking one tree at, at one part of the forest. And so there is a communication that happens because by the time that the bug gets, say, to the middle or advances, the trees around it are already reacting to it and secreting some sort of bug killer hormone or whatever but um but is that is that just a tree reacting to certain triggers in itself and it's just a pattern of behavior or instinct or whatever you call it that happens once say you know this starts getting this kind of attack then 
this hormone triggers that and triggers that and then it secretes that and all the trees are like oh that hormone is in the air bugs you know would you I'm, say it's I'm, different I'm, for us because that almost sounds like you're describing people mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, let, me, let me introduce an idea that there's there's, there's a um I mean, I guess if someone you're emotion? like, oh man, they must have eaten you know, <laughs> right? I don't know. Hey, do you, would you say fear is an emotion or, a re, or an instinct? Mm. Oh, let's see. I have something written down about fear. Both. I have two. I'm like, it's oh. an emotion. So it I think... triggers instincts because you do sometimes react out of instinct, but fear is is very um, so i would say emotions are yeah, are really binary emotions are really a binary world fear and love and all emotions beyond that are variations and and derivatives of fear or love and the, I believe at the very core you can prove that plants and animals of all sorts have fear and love. They may not have the more advanced forms. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have the the nuanced realities, but that the very base level of fear, you can you know read the secret life of pants plants pants, <laughs> pants or traveling pants anyway. Um, or you know, and you look at you know on that level, you could use a different word. You could use instinct. Which for me, I was going to go into the different layers of humanity. So your body, soul, spirit, that your consciousness takes form, um, especially your super consciousness takes form in um, different ways in those. And on your instinct level, I would call that your gut, right? If you notice, I would dare say 100% of the time you've had a gut feeling, it was either for protection or pleasure, Right. And that it, and that is the root form of of all emotions, essentially fear or mm, this is good, like love. And so um, your gut feeling is very much about the physical form. It is the gut feeling about not eating that food, not walking down that alley, um, you know, even down to lustful feelings and stuff like that. Like that's, and so I would say that the gut feelings that humans get then we mature them through the heart and the mind into higher levels of emotion mm-hmm. that those gut feelings are equivalent to what a deer feels when they get scared by a lion or what a plant feels when a, when a spider gets squashed on a desk, that, that those two basic uh, base level forms of emotion are still prevalent in the form of consciousness throughout matter. When you were talking about all the stuff with the plants and the everything um, reacting, it was making me think like all the weird weather patterns and stuff, whether or not they're actually like harp, like we talk about sometimes, or whether maybe the planet's just like, hey guys, hey guys, we need to fix stuff, help. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things that I came across was the whole concept of an entity as a whole would have a level of consciousness aka like a country maybe or mm-hmm. a, a group of people or the planet right the planet but yeah <laughs> something that came up right before we got on that i was looking at was 
I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner, was the idea of universal consciousness, mm -hmm. that there is, that we're all tied into the same thing. Um, one of the definitions of consciousness that I wrote down was that it's an awareness of your own experience. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what that definition, what that does with plants and animals, because obviously they have a livingness, and I don't know if that's the same as consciousness, um, being aware of your own experience or not. I think that's the debate. Yeah. Like, what is the debate, the definition of consciousness? What are we talking about? Are we talking about livingness? Are we talking about awareness of self? Because even self a rock has a livingness. Right. But it, it I don't know if it has a, a consciousness. <laughs> Are you going to bring, ask them? I'm, I'm still going back to the polygraph stuff and thinking, you know, just trying, trying to rationalize it in other, you know, less spiritual or consciousness <laughs> kind of ways. I'm like, well, maybe like if you were to, if you had like a bowl of water on your countertop and, and you, you pound your countertop, the way that that energy travels through that countertop is different from how it travels into that bowl of water. That bowl of water is going to show like a definite ripple. And I'm like, well, maybe when that guy pounded the table to kill the spider, like, that's how that, that's how that that plant perceived that energy, and that's how that energy traveled through it was a different way, but we'd only know if he did it again without smushing us well, it would be curious because I mean uh, if you think about it, uh plants would be able to experience earthquakes the same same way, mm -hmm. and so I wonder if there would be any sort of reaction to say an earthquake like that. Another definition I found was that consciousness exists when enough activity takes place. They likened it to sound from a record player. If you get enough vibration and enough activity, you increase the vibration of the activity, it increases the consciousness. I thought that was a really interesting thought. Um, it does bring into the picture how humans could have more consciousness than say a rock or a tree because we're such electrical beings we're we're you know constantly vibrating and sending electrical impulses and i could see how that could be a difference in consciousness well i had two other things written down also that um thomas nagel for example says that an organism is conscious if there's something that it is like to be that organism so in other words if you can if you can contemplate your experience, essentially, I believe is what he was trying to say, which we kind of already talked about a little bit. Um, Self-awareness. But then also, let's see, what was the other thing I wrote down? Being able to measure the amount of information integrated in a system uh, is described as phi. Julio. Yeah, this is. To, what's his last name? Tononi. Tononi. Tonini. Tononi. Um, He's, he call, he describes it as like hi-fi or lo-fi, whether like basically whatever um, the amount of information that is integrated in the system is. So like as humans, we're hi-fi because we have tons of in information being uh, processed, whereas like a rock has very little information being processed. That's what you think. This is. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, this this whole phi concept. There there are two things that I was intrigued by. But um, go ahead. Are no, you, I'm. You can go. It's it's a. Uh, let me see if I can go here. Um, the intrinsic it measure it it is a way to measure intrinsic ex, intrinsic perspective. 
and that intrinsic perspective has one, two, three, four, five different points, I guess, existence, uh, composition, information, integration, and exclusion. And so it gets all these points, and I can go into those a little bit deeper because I sort of kind of wrote notes on it, but it grabs those points and it comes up with the phi, the phi, he called it the phi max, which is the quantity of consciousness or the quantity of information that has been, that he calls it the quantity of consciousness as, as in all these points uh, processed and the information that comes out of it, the quantity of it. And then it also um, puts these points into a scale and uh, and into a graph where it makes a shape and the shape that it makes is a quantitative representation of the quality of consciousness so mm -hmm. it's basically a mathematical formula mm -hmm. that measures the amount of consciousness depending on the quality and quantity of information that a certain being thing can process and i thought huh i wonder how much consciousness you need to have in order to trigger the double split experiment experiment mm. huh. that's a good question mm -hmm. i actually really like that kind of take on it because that's how i kind of view I like that because it agrees with me. Um, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of view consciousness in that way of, of I get it from Thomas Troward, um, where he would say, I mean, in his book, he says, nobody would argue that a goldfish has more consciousness than a tree, but nobody would argue that a dog has more consciousness than a goldfish. And nobody would argue that a human has more consciousness than a dog. Right. And so, we all are aware that there's levels of consciousness. And I do agree that it is about how you can process information. We, we talk about divine intellect. And so as the highest form of intelligent beings uh, on this planet, at least in this dimension, um, we, are, we, we can easily kind of measure ourselves as being the most conscious beings or the most intelligent beings. Um, but nonetheless, you can, you know, they're doing experiments all the time with different species. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw the story about the octopus that came across uh, Facebook recently that uh, the octopus was being fed shrimp and it was in a zoo and it was in a locked cage and everything like that. And the guy fed him and there was a bad shrimp that was like an old shrimp. The octopus unlocked his cage, went and threw the shrimp at the zookeeper and then like went back into its cage and locked itself back in. <laughs> they're, they're freaking smart. They supposedly have right. a big brain. so ridiculously smart. Right. Them and dolphins and you got elephants on land, you know, they're the elephants never forget kind of thing. They get to take care of their mm -hmm. families and everything like that. So you get, you get different species that hi, that have higher levels of intelligence. And as intelligent beings, here's the thing. It's, there's something about you that hears that story. And you're like, Oh, I can suddenly re, I can start to relate. Mm -hmm. I can start to connect potentially to this dog that responds to me when I say sit. But when my goldfish doesn't do jack squat, <laughs> there's a lack of connection. 
right? Christina's so, goldfish was amazing, though. <laughs> was he trained? <laughs> trained him. I'm not joking. Well, you can train goldfish, actually. I've seen that. But it's but a dog that doesn't respond to training or to, and so there's it's like we instinctively go for like I can connect with intelligence, and if it's unintelligent, we then we have to engage our emotions of empathy or beauty or other things. But our intelligence is kind of like, well, I mean, the tree's beautiful, so I'm going to give it a different part of myself. But to engage with another another living thing with the true sense of your true sense of self, it needs to show a measure of intelligence. And I think there's something there. There's something to, to acknowledge that, that we have found an identity in our intelligence and we find kindredness in the intelligence of other people and other beings. Um, and then if we can't find that, then we switch to our emotions. But then is there, I mean, I didn't look anything about this up, but I'm, I have the sense that perhaps there are people who, uh, connect better with trees than with animals, for example. And in that scenario, um, who's to say what is more conscious? <laughs> See, the thing, the thing that kind of came into my mind when Austin was talking was there, there are, um, according to the scale, then we have different, different places, different tools if you will mm -hmm. to process this information and that's kind of what sets us apart mm -hmm. and so yes. what you're saying in, in in this situation would be there might be people that that have um different skills mm -hmm. in different tools if right. you will in different places and so that's why they could connect more to trees or connect more to you know animals or mm -hmm. rocks or something and I, I would have to play it back but i think i said something that's more intelligent not necessarily did I say something that's more conscious. Right, I know. Because, and I, yeah. but, but we were talking about, it was maybe implied a little bit, maybe not by you, but in general in the conversation, it feels like consciousness relates to intelligence to some extent. But it's, it's a level of, but, like it's, a, it's our understanding and but according to that, that ties in on, on both that and what David was saying earlier and that um, one, I think Tina, it'd be super helpful if you could in the show notes, put a link to Dr. Quantum's uh, explanation of the double slit experiment. Mm. I think that'd be super helpful. But another one that he has is uh, when he talks about flatland and the ability to perceive dimensions, mm. you know, flatland is essentially like a 2d place that has the added dimension of time. So it's like a three dimensional place but just really two of time. Um, and then I'm curious if, if consciousness would be um, raised the higher you go, your ability to perceive higher dimensions. And so we st stand here in this three-dimensional world with the fourth dimension of time. Um, does, does that, do, you, do you think that might have an impact on, on consciousness? Like, you know, if, if there's beings that operate in a fourth dimension with a with added fifth dimension of time and maybe they have a, a different level of consciousness i don't know i'm just spitballing that well i mean you could even take time out of the equation and that's a different <laughs> sure. scenario as well i think one of the precursors to consciousness is being observant and being able to observe your feelings and your in your intellect and your thoughts and the world around you 
And so the more you can observe those things, the more you can internalize and think on them and create your consciousness. I don't think you just wake up one day and I'm like this conscious guru. You have to to work at it and think about it and um, connect the dots. And then maybe you become a fourth dimensional being that flies through. <laughs> I don't know. I think so consciousness, everyone is, every human uh, has, well, ironically, not everyone. There's people with disabilities who don't seem to have the same skills of consciousness or the same tools. And I think there's there's a different word that belongs in this discussion that is awareness. Right. Right. So awareness of your consciousness. So everyone gets gut feelings, but how many are aware? Everyone gets intuition, but how many are aware? Everyone has intellect, but how many are aware? Like, um, and so those are, you know, those are the three spirit, soul, body to me corresponds to intellect, uh, intuition and gut feelings that consciousness takes different forms in all three parts of you and your awareness and your essentially your intelligence, the muscle exercise that the more aware you get, uh, the more intelligent you get. It's no different than going to school. You work on your intellect. You work on your ability to debate. You work on your ability to interact with people. Why don't we work on our ability to follow intuition? Why don't we work on our ability to follow our guts? You know, I believe if we truly understood the consciousness in all three levels of us, none of us would ever get sick. Mm-hmm. We, would, we would never find ourselves in relational hell um, that that other parts of us know the right path, but we're so obsessed with the intellect as being the definition of consciousness that if you freaking Google it, that's all you get is how smart are you? And yet we instinctively know that the, some of the most conscious beings, self-aware beings on the, on the planet are incredibly intuitive and incredibly gut driven and yet at the same time they can articulate it because they also have intellect. And so the integration of all three, and then Matt, you raised the question of a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh. And I would say the, to me, the fourth level of consciousness is the integration of all three, right? And the integration of all three probably equals immortality and a glorified body and a whole new version of existence. Um, but I would say that there's a fourth dimension of consciousness. And I think drugs like LSD or, or ayahuasca or even, you know, different experiments like that, I think they show evidence of a higher level of consciousness that humans are starting to starting to figure out ways to engage with on a consistent basis. But it's still hypothesis right now because it's not a normal part of our uh, equipment. Well, I can, I can answer the question as to why they don't, kind of teach that in schools because you talk about the gut uh, providing people with uh, the ability to perceive you know something that's safe or something that's pleasurable i don't know how much we want to get those kids focused on, uh, <laughs> on pleasure at 16 <laughs> um, well and i also think it's it's hard to quantify or rationalize and so if i come in and say you know i'm gonna have a freaking whole batter of brownie uncooked brownie because my gut is telling me that's what my body needs like we rationally like that's not healthy but in that situation maybe that's something that I need and so it's so dependent on the individual and what they need in that time in that place because what they might need today might be completely different tomorrow 
And that's something that you can't teach. That's not something you can quantify. That's not something you can score and grade. And that's what our world is all about is show me the, the data, show me the results, show me whatever. But the same way you train your intellect, why can't you train your gut? So I maybe think you could do the same in, thing, but in a right. global universe. But it'd be really stupid. I think if your gut's like, yes, I need to eat that whole batch of uncooked brownies. <laughs> and then you throw up and you're like, wow, that was dumb, gut. Yeah. It, gut <laughs> needed to throw up. It's harder, <laughs> gut. Like we don't, we take tests and we fail and we do stupid shit intellectually. And then we realize instinctively, like, no, I'm just, my intellect needs to improve. Mm. Your gut can improve. Your intuition can improve, but it's almost like if they're not perfectly the most brilliant intuition on the planet, that well, you did it wrong. And uh, I think I think that's uh, an error of understanding the human condition of, of growth and the law of growth. I think that's super interesting that you alluded to with uh, drugs that alter your level of consciousness, whether it's DMT or ayahuasca, specifically ones like that that lead to shared group experiences where when people uh, partake of that particular drug, everybody has a similar experience for the most part. Everybody sees similar um, beings and greetings um, when, that, when they go into that place. That, that, that super consciousness or that shared consciousness is something that I think is super interesting. Did anybody come across something like that when, in their prep work? I didn't, but I have a question. When they're doing these things, is there like a guided meditation or is it just like everyone sit and go? I mean, it's not like a global thing where everybody's following the same protocol. It's just that people will take some of these drugs and oftentimes come to the same exact experience that other mm -hmm. people are having, whether it's, you know, just, it, just visually seeing sacred geometry or hearing voices that say like, I love you or, you know, whatever it may be. Definitely. I just asked because like, I think about when I go to a yoga class, I'm not taking any of those things, but I have a, a someone who's walking me through it. And then I leave the class and we kind of had like the same feeling. And even though it's not specific, there's someone there kind of guiding and instructing. So that's what I asked. Okay. Have you heard of the global consciousness project? Yeah. I think so. Hey, sure. Tell me more. Yes. So they have a uh, random number generators uh, all over the, planet kind of um different different cities and everything like that and they found they've been doing it for i'm trying to find the numbers like before 2000 before 9 11 before 9 11 right oh. and um so when i think it was what three days before 9 11 these random number generators all started developing a certain a certain measure of synchronicity that um, basically the global consciousness of humanity was aware that something was going to happen. And then they found they've been doing it long enough to find, like if there's going to be an earthquake in Mexico City, that the RNGs, the random generators in Mexico City, they get synchronistic a few days before the earthquake. Mm. Right. And then, the you know, if it's a global event or a regional event or whatever, that these number generators will start to sync up and it's often in front of a major event, either whether it's often a catastrophe, um, sometimes an election or, you know, something like, you know, doesn't necessarily have to always have to be negative, 
but these random number generators that they've calculated, it's like one in a trillion chance that they would do what they do. But they always happen a couple, two or three days in advance of a major event. Um, and so group consciousness or global consciousness, they're even trying to figure out how to study that. I mean, how do you, how do you study that? <laughs> like, so many people are not, you're not even aware enough to like, okay, let me log into my account and tell people this intuitive feeling I had today. I need, um, a, I need a control planet and a variable planet. And <laughs> right, exactly. So it's one heck of a difficult thing to study, but they're using the random number generators and the synchronicity on those generators is proving some form of global consciousness that humanity begins to go on the same wavelength. And, and it is statistically impossible to be random. One so, so that reminds me of this other thing that I wrote down about They've done studies where um, you're supposed to choose if you're going to hit the left button or the right button. And they measure, um, like they're tracking your brain and they can tell when you've made the decision which button you're going to hit. And you consciously think that you're still making the decision, but according to the data um, from your brain, it's anywhere from 0.5 seconds to seven seconds before that, that you've already made the decision. So it's, <laughs> it's almost like you don't even, you, you're so, it's, it's like those two parts of you are so disconnected that you're not even aware. Like it takes, it takes time to get to your consciousness about the decision that you've already made. That reminds um, me of the, the flocks of birds that change direction and they can't find one particular bird that's leading the, the group, you know, uh, like a group consciousness. Yeah. There's, um, have you, have any of you heard of this guy, uh, Cliff High by any chance? Mm -hmm. I know the name, that's about it. He's, he, uh, I, I don't know his story like 100%, but, um, he actually was some sort of super computer dude and made an algorithm to, um, aggregate all the information being talked about on online mm -hmm. social media or whatever i don't know I, I don't know exactly how he does it but he apparently aggregates all this information puts out a report um basically following this premise that you know we're all connected and so the report supposedly predicts the future and all sorts of stuff based on what people are talking about at the moment. Mm. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but yeah, I'm like he waits things, but that was, that was a good, good ad, David. Well, I'm curious if we want to do a separate podcast on free will, or if we want to talk about free will in this context of consciousness. Funny you say that it's when David was, or actually when it was you talking about the delay, I was like, oh, simulation theory. Like, yeah. like the decisions already made for us. Well, and I, when I, when you were talking about, it, I was thinking about that's the the time it takes to to drop from your subconscious to your conscious, and that it's your subconscious makes that decision, and then it just has to process to your conscious. Mm -hmm. The thing is with that that if if it's your subconscious making all the decisions, then can you consider that free will? Because your subconscious was not created by you. It was not um, 
Well, I mean, there are people who, like we've talked about, like with psyche and stuff, you can change your subconscious, but initially, like it's it's all poured into you essentially, and you even even though even if you are able to affect your subconscious until you are really in tune with everything you're yeah you're not aware of what your subconscious is doing so <laughs> in that context like for example um sam harris says you are no more you you are no more author of the next thing you think than of the next thing i say like <laughs> if we can't consciously think know what we're going to think before we think it then how do we have free will essentially i mean I you can I, I, you can condition yourself to think in a certain way you can renew your mind quote unquote all these things but i mean i would i would liken it to soil right mm -hmm. if you've got crappy soil you're going to have crappy thoughts and in that sense you can't what, what so what can you control is the quality of the soil so it's um there's a whole nother mental science behind this of of what role the subconscious plays which i believe it would be the uh when i talk about the intuition being the decision making factor of the heart there's also the um belief side of things that are also held in the heart and most of our emotions are generated by our beliefs right so if i say trump and you have a particular opinion of trump you might be annoyed or you might be happy the word trump is what triggers the emotion if i say obama right or if i say <laughs> gun control like whatever whatever phrase that i say you're going to have an emotional reaction, whether, you know, be however slight. And those reactions are triggered by your beliefs. What you believe about gun control, what you believe about Obama, what you believe about Trump. And if you want to change your choice, you want to change your reaction, then you need to change your beliefs. Right? And that is the role of the conscious intelligence to control what your reactions are i do agree with that guy who basically said you're no more, you're no more in control of your next thought than you are of the next thing i say kind of if you want to change your next thought over time then use your conscious mind to feed yourself different things miguel ruiz would say that that free will is an illusion mm -hmm. and basically he would just, you know just just think of something you could never do you could never bring yourself to do it and he, and he just talk, basically talks about like, none of us live by free will. We all live by our programming and our domestication. Right. Um, the idea of making a choice to be whoever the heck we want is, is a joke. Um, and so it's, it's definitely an art form to be able to change your, your thoughts, to change your reactions. And that's where I think when I originally brought up like, hey, we should do an episode on consciousness. I think I was largely thinking of things like Psyche and the subconscious mind. Um, but for me, true consciousness envelops all three parts of you, body, soul, spirit. Mm -hmm. That's where I can then again, come back to, you know, your intellect, intuition, and gut. Um, but then there's other things playing into that all the time. I've noticed personally that I tend to dismiss, not I would call it fate, but 
dismiss fate and, and say that I have free will. But I also notice in myself that I tend to fight irrationally for the idea that I have free will. So I think that, I don't know, that says something about at least my, my ego's take on things, but it doesn't make the overall picture any, any clearer for me. Mm-hmm. The ego. What is that? <laughs> it's the thing that I'll die to defend. <laughs> hmm. I was just going to throw this one out there and, and see if we can go in this direction or whatever. But um, this guy named Dan Dennett said that consciousness is just an illusion. That basically what happens is that we have, um, we have, we are receiving all these inputs from our atmosphere, from our area, whatever, and that the the inputs that are the strongest are the ones that form our behavior. But we're not really, really conscious. We just think we are. That's that was that was my whole. <laughs> Uh, my whole hook. <laughs> I forget what your hook was. There's about the, you know, the magician doesn't really oh. saw a lady in half. Mm. That we think we that pers- we're conscious, mm. but we're just reacting to all the stimuli, and the 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 strongest stimuli is the one that will win out over the weakest, and that's why we would act or react, if you will. Well, my question is, what is the point of consciousness? What's the point of it? Like, what's it for? Why consciousness? Mm. To experience? Do you want the... I mean, that's the... That's the only real conclusion that I've come up with, essentially, other than... Um, I mean, I, I guess experience would be like the base of it but like relationship communication love purpose like all of that stuff you can't have without consciousness i think i mean you can have the feeling of love you can have yeah i don't know if you go outside of time and space and you have consciousness what i believe you would you would a lot of people call god that if you are consciousness experiencing everything all the time at the same time then nothing in of itself is an actual experience it's just existence right you're experiencing talking to this microphone all the time at the same time you're experiencing eating ice cream at the same time you're experiencing being born and dying that literally because there's no time and space it's all overlapped and consciousness is is everything that there is no beginning and end to being. So you create time and space to, in order to experience being. And now through us, through humanity and other divinely intelligent beings, and I would even say through non-so-divinely intelligent beings, just moderately intelligent beings, mm-hmm. that you experience the beginning and the end of things. That this this podcast episode will have an end and so will your dinner tomorrow 
and so will the United States of America, and so will the planet Earth, and the other things will begin. And so while outside of time and space, all of these things are happening all the time at the same time, and therefore you have just plain existence inside of time and space, consciousness takes the form in experiencing itself. And that is the role of humanity, is that we have to be a divine and a partaker of that. Whereas my dog, who keeps whining the, the entire recording, um, gets to be a, a significantly less divine creator of experience. But we, as intelligent beings, get to actually not only experience, but we get to choose our experience. We get to make choices and create things and so it's a much higher level of experiencing than being a tree. Although being a tree has a beginning and end as well. Um, so all the, the time and space create are the beginning and the end of experience. And I believe consciousness itself, um, in order to experience itself, finds itself in us in that form. I was just, I, I just had a thought in, at whatever for what for whatever it's worth would we be able to measure consciousness or yeah i guess consciousness by creating by whether something creates or not or expresses itself through creating maybe i'd never say a measure of it the quality of it i was gonna say a lot of things shit so <laughs> <laughs> no i mean tool making is essentially Right. And it's totally creating. Isn't, isn't crap just a process, a mechanical process? It's not like you're sitting there, I am going to make the best crap ever. <laughs> That's a Van Gogh. <laughs> the manipulation of external yeah. elements. Mm. But there are, there are species that use other, you know, there are a few monkey species or ape species that will use rocks to open coconuts. Or water to wash the, the potatoes, you know. So there's crows use sticks. Those those are the beginnings of creative acts where they're using other elements to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, and I mean, I guess you could say birds make nests too. But uh-huh. yeah, it's a creative that? act. Spiders create sure. webs. Dude, I saw. Well, that's kind of like poop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like reverse it, poop. It, I, I can't remember if it was debunked or not, but basically like when they gave spiders different substances, how it impacted their web design. Oh, I've seen that. Like, so whether they gave them caffeine oh, or cocaine or <laughs> LSD, like they radically shifted what kind of webs they were drawing. I saw, drawing. Uh, we were watching this documentary the other day and the spider um, shoots a very, like five very focused strands and it goes something like, 200 feet or so something like that it shoots it super far across this river and it latches onto something and then it goes and it goes to the mid it it goes and kind of weaves these strands together to make them super strong and it makes a web that almost encompasses like the whole river it is amazing i was like what in the world that's like the amazon or something it sounds like an amazon spider (laughs) Ten foot spider. Not really even that big, but you just the physics of it are just incredible. Because it's like it's just like oh sniper, you know, and then it latches onto something, and then it goes and 
to the middle and it makes this massive, massive web. But if you think about it, like it aren't, haven't they been trying to, to make material out of spider web? It's yeah. supposed to be some sort of ungodly strong material. Like, like more than bulletproof, right? Something like that. Super. That's for us. I think it's stronger than steel. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I'm making faces right now because I'm watching our dog like nose into some nootropic powders. <laughs> <laughs> Curious how that one's gonna go. Like it's all. I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure everything's like sealed up, but can start talking to you, right? There's, <laughs> consciousness might be elevated here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> she starts talking, we'll bring her on. <laughs> See what she thinks. Oh dear. <laughs> oh my. Well, that reminds me of the fact that like the people that can talk to animals, like that's. That's obviously a, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Some of the Gentile or plants. So what right, about animals too? Yeah. Okay, so. So what is that, like, how, how does that work? Let's, let's look at the uh, mechanics of that. How does it work? What do you mean? Like, I mean. <laughs> like the communication, like what? what, what would the communication be like? Are, are the, the thoughts... Uh, is it sensing? Is it, it are 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 they thoughts like composed thoughts? Like I'm hungry. Or? Do they speak English? <laughs> I mean, for me, I think it's it's probably different for everyone. But a perfect example: last night we were on a track by our house, and it's just a loop, and we were going one way, and this lady and our dog were going the other way, and the dog it was off of its leash, and it was a very good dog. Um, and every time it got to us, it kind of like stopped and looked at us and like kept going. And like the third or fourth time that we, we crossed this dog's path, I was like, dude, that dog just wants you to pet him mad. And then like we walked like two feet, we turned around and the dog had stopped and was just like staring at us like, you didn't pet me. Like, and so it's just stuff like that where I just, I get this thought or this feeling like this is the intention of, of that dog or, you know, um, with my plants. I'm like, oh, it's time to, I just when they're sad i'll be like what do you guys need and they're like we need water or, i don't know it just it's this feeling that i get it's not it's not like an english statement or something it's just a feeling so it's thought. more like it's more like you're processing information in with a different tool if you will yeah i definitely like so when i said like observing like or yeah okay observing and processing and then just asking that questions and just sitting and waiting like what's the first thing that pops into my head or my feelings well that's probably what it is and so I've just been doing that for such a long time that it's it's a little bit more natural, I guess. So what would you say that is? Is that intuition, like a part of our consciousness, or is that tapping into universal consciousness, or is that tapping into some other form of energy? Hmm. Kind of with David, like what is that, or what is the point of that? Or, um, and beyond I mean, that, the muscle to let it go from the tap into your awareness. Right. Because that's a lot of people miss that. Because that's too. what I was, I was going to say that, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a gamut of information that we receive, but we don't know how to process because we've never tried to do that. Kind of like what you were saying, you know, nobody, nobody's sitting around teaching our kids to understand intuition or understand gut feelings. And so it's a, it's a, a spectrum of information that we don't really know how to use at all. Essentially, you're saying learning how to tune in to different. Exactly. Things. Yeah. 
tune in and then bring it to your awareness, which is part of tuning well, in. Well, if, if you're choosing to tune in, then I would think you would right. be aware of it, but yeah. Yeah, but what he's, yeah, like bringing it to your awareness, learning how to process that information also. Would you say that's like the div- the divine right of consciousness, like it, it comes with consciousness or consciousness allows us to do those things or can you do those things without consciousness and that's just part of instinct i would i would if we're going to really boil down to what i think of (laughs) what (laughs) consciousness is something that i'll be all living creatures have and all matter has Mm -hmm. they have their own consciousness or is it one universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have their own individual sense of, of consciousness as they get more intelligent. So that the trees might not as much as a, as a, as a dog, mm-hmm. right? That the dog does have a self-awareness that is different than other dogs, yet they're most more closely packed-minded and everything. I think the better word to define the closer you get to... I don't know, to, to being able to manipulate and participate in a willing manner and in the realm of matter is a better word is not consciousness, but awareness. Mm-hmm. So you can have all this consciousness. You can have all these gut feelings and all this intuition. You can have all this. If you doesn't hit your awareness, mm-hmm. it does you no good. And that is, and is, we instinctively know that the more self-aware a child is or a dog is or a human is the more they can participate in their surroundings mm-hmm. on purpose as opposed to just using instinct or just using emotion mm-hmm. so awareness is a a higher level of consciousness it's a word that kind of gets kicked in for me and so we're trying to teach people everyone's got gut feelings but are you aware of them everyone's got intuition but are you aware of it but how do you know that? It's not subjective. <laughs> what if they don't? I said, how do you know that? Is that not potentially subjective? Because you don't know how anyone else experiences life. Do you know for sure that they have these things? What about projections? Well, Inception. See, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you say that these things would be fundamentals? That to divine to less. a divine experience, yes. Well, like say for example, what you said, uh, gut feelings, you know. Right. Let's call that. What, what would that be? I guess intuition. No. Or what is it? So I would say gut feelings, specifically from <laughs> well, the I gut, mean, like, are, are about the body, and they are specifically for uh, protection or pleasure. Remember we said this at the beginning of the podcast. What? <laughs> heart, intuition was heart and oh, gut is... I wasn't... No, intuition no, is significantly in- more nuanced and is significantly more emotional. So would you say those are fundamentals? Like, would that be something that everybody has in? Because he... I would say so. But they don't all have the awareness of it. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. That's what but I do they have say. it if they're not aware of it? <laughs> well, a baby cries <laughs> and is happy. Turn off her mic. <laughs> but... A tree falls in the it. forest. And back <laughs> yeah. Does he really have intuition? There's, I've taught many, many, many people to touch those parts of them, and everyone has them. So Every what do you human. do? It makes me wonder what you do about you know mentally handicapped 
people if they're not physically capable of tapping into things? I think, I think they're just Google it. I'm, I am pretty dang sure that like certain handicaps highlight other intuitive or gut level stuff. Sure. To where like, um, I think some are even more in tune because right. they're not distracted by the other, intellect. other things. Yeah. Right. They're but more aware of your emotional needs or your, you know, um, why can't I think of the, not cerebral palsy, but the Downs. Down syndrome. Thank you. Like they're famous for being highly intuitive about what other people, where they're at emotionally. So it makes me wonder if it's a brain thing at that point or if it's we're just so distracted by mm-hmm. our own intellect. Maybe it is our brain that's distracting us from pure consciousness and intuition. Yeah. Reason. Right. Reason does get in the way. Reason, reason is almost a dirty word for me anymore. Right. On. We've yeah. been going for about an hour now. You guys ready to rock this thing around the clock here? Rocking it. <laughs> um, I think for me, I the I listen to Alan Watts' is, um, lecture, A Higher State of Consciousness. Um, and it kind of threw me for a loop because it was really high in consciousness and I had to think hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, ha- he had a lot of good things. Um, and the one that I wrote down that really kind of just touched, touched my heart um, was when we cease to see the magic in nature, we are no longer fulfilling nature's conscious needs and the result is death. And I thought that was pertinent to me because, or just in life, because in our world we get so distracted with our outside surroundings, we become unaware. And then we get in this monotony of, you know, get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, walk the dog, go to bed. And there is just this cycle of life and it, and it robs us from life and it robs us from, um, the true blessings of life is which is that consciousness of of developing that and being able to to interact with liveless livelessness what do we say liveliness um so that was just something that i found noteworthy that i wrote down in my notes that i thought i'd share with you guys i love alan watts mm-hmm. um for me I, I would just kind of double down on some i've touched on it multiple times but you are a three-part being, and I think in our Western culture, we have uh, glorified the intellect. And the intellect is the consciousness of your spirit. It is the creative capacity that you carry. It is super powerful and certainly not something to be ignored, but it is not the only part of you. In the same way that you can be a super freaking smart person and invent stuff and create and problem solve and all those things, your intuition is capable of as much problem solving and creativity as your intellect, if not more. And then your gut is, especially with your body, you know, when you, you know, um, the gut being directly related to body Think, you know, what if you went on a diet that was based on what you felt like you were supposed to eat, right? If you were super mature in your gut, and you understood like, this is good, this is bad, this is good. I, I guarantee you, somebody who was who is a level 10 out of 10 in following their gut 
if you were to, if you were to look at their health, it's perfect. Right. Um, and it takes, it takes work just the way it takes. You got to go to school to grow your intellect. You need to go to school to grow your intuition. You need to go to school to grow your gut. I believe the church was meant to help people grow their intuition. <laughs> Failed. But um, point being is that you are a three-part being and, and no different than how much work and effort it took to grow your intellect. There's two other parts of you and that that's the fullness of the human experience. And that to me is where we're hoping to get as we become more aware of the other parts of who we really are. Um, I just encourage you to dig in, find teachers who are specialists in those different areas and uh, go to school and become a full, fully developed, aware, divine being. Well, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts, but one thing in my notes that popped out was to be conscious of something is to experience it. So it made me think, okay, if I'm thinking about consciousness and my experiencing consciousness and you kind of get in this this feedback loop of being but so many of the the people I was listening to and the scientists trying to explain it you know they talk about how you can't use your mind to explain the mind it just doesn't work and trying to explain consciousness with your mind is obviously a difficult task we've gone back and forth about what consciousness actually is Um, but just to leave with that thought of to be conscious of something is to experience it and that if we are conscious of our consciousness we are experiencing it by default um uh, i kind of wanted to sort of reiterate a little bit of like what austin was saying but kind of put in the light of um the the lack of focus that consciousness has had in in uh, academia um mainly because they they don't they it's 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 not something that they could understand that they could quantify that um they saw as largely subjective and so they just kind of said well there's no way to study this so whatever's but um it's it's rising in focus people are coming up with very interesting theories and stuff uh, about it and I <clears throat> I want to second what Austin said you know um, just because it's it's not something that's studied just because there they aren't things that are mainstream um, doesn't mean that they are not worth studying doesn't mean that they're not worth looking into and, and exercising and uh, I feel like a lot of these other things um, like intuition, like your gut, et cetera, are, as, as we um, get to know more about them, we're going to see how all of it works together and how we can be more balanced beings. <laughs> you know, I, I, man, I can't remember the exact term that you used, but I feel like that's when, once we become balanced in, in all these things, once we bring our, or levels up on the other things that we've been ignoring, then um, we will have a complete new revelation of 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 the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, of who we are and this and, and our place in this world. And um, so, yeah, that's exciting. You jumped out of order. Oops. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> um, Wait, I did. Sorry. Anyway, I was just. <laughs> I know you just want to. <laughs> Um, so as I was starting my article for this week, 
<clears throat> I was thinking about something that has been in my awareness for a while, and that is just being able to look back, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to look back um, because in part of having our youngest daughter last year and being able to compare it to when we had our first, like I like to say, first set of kids, which was um, 12 years ago now, and just feeling so much more awake, for lack of a better word, now than at that time. Um, and there's no one point, there's no one period of time that I can point to and say, oh, this is when I became more aware. Uh, but I can, by looking backwards, I can see just a lot of growth, particularly in the last, well, since, I would say since 2012. I, don't, I wouldn't say I quote unquote woke up in 2012. I wouldn't say I'm quote, quote unquote completely awake now. But um, I noticed a shift start in 2012. And, and I noticed that a, there was, there's a decent amount of um, activity online that has similar feelings about it. And so I was thinking about what maybe a correlation might be. And I realized, well, because I had been thinking, okay, so the internet has made a lot of uh, advances for, for human consciousness, you could say, perhaps, because we are more connected, we're more um, able to study things out and, and become more aware of things. And the end of 2012 is when smartphones became at 50% um, penetration into the U.S. So I hypothesize that smartphones have had a huge impact on our ability to become more aware. Whether or not that's quote-unquote conscious, I don't know, but as we've been relating awareness, it feels like it is, and I feel that it's really interesting to relate the internet and smartphones to that because um, smartphones... We had when we had access just to the internet, that was one thing. Like we had the potential, but when we got the smartphones, it was connected to us all the time, and it was something that we became conditioned to constantly be looking information up and being more, <clears throat> um, just being more connected to the rest of the world, in a way. So I don't know. That's just something that I found really interesting in my own um, journey <laughs> of awareness. So while we were talking here, um, I was thinking about what I was going to say for this close. And I was reminded of a conversation, ah, a, a stream of thought I had while I was in the sauna. Um, I don't know how well it fits, but I'm going to go with it here. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with the idea of, or the concept of fractals, the idea that there's patterns and those patterns are repeated at, you know, very small levels up to, you know, gigantic levels. And I was thinking about how, you know, DNA is a information storage system that's more powerful than anything we've created as of yet. And all of nature is wired to preserve and spread its information. Information is created, it's stored, it's sent, it's received. You know, like Jen and I, you know, as far as DNA goes, we, we created some information in the, in, in the form of uh, our two kiddos. And then, uh, it's essentially being sent through time. Um, you know, and it got me wondering, like, on a fractal level, 
as I contemplated existence, as I you know contemplated you know my place, quote unquote my place in this thing, you know is is am I experiencing this you know this this universe on a variety of of fractal levels that I can only understand from where I'm at right now in this particular experience. I don't know how well that's related in this, <laughs> how well I was able to tell that there, but um, on that random ass note, thanks for listening today. <laughs> um, if uh, you want to talk some smack about our, our thoughts on consciousness, or you just want to join in the conversation at Epic ideas is our social media handle. Uh, if you want more of this wild stuff, you can hit up our Patreon account. Just enjoy those bennies. And then uh, <laughs> also you know, on our mostly monthly episodes, we have affiliate links for just products that we really enjoy and think that you'll enjoy too. When you, when you pick some of those up through the links, helps us out, helps us keep this show going. And it's all out of pocket. So that said, thank you very much. Uh, I think this conversation was worth having. Um, you know, a lot of people, we, we talked about how it's tough to, to nail this down. It's tough to define it, but I think we did a pretty decent job today. We primed, we primed the pump. So until next time, thanks for listening. Ciao. Bye. Ciao.